and welcome to Veterans to Success. Today I've got Charles McKinney with me. Uh, hello, Charles. How are you doing? Doing great, Joe. Thank you for having me on. Uh, my pleasure. So what we're going to do is, rather than me give you a big build-up introduction, which of course you deserve, we're going to be going through some questions that will allow you to tell us who you are, what you do, what your mission is, what you've done in the past and what you want to do in the future. Does that make sense? It does. Thank you. Fantastic. And I'm particularly interested in learning, sharing your story with with our listeners and viewers because you're just in the process of transitioning. So tell me a little bit about yourself. First of all, what got you into the uh, military? And by the way, you will probably detect that it's not a UK accent you've got there, Charles. So please tell us more that's 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 true joe um i'm uh from the united states of america can probably tell by the way i speak your language a little bit differently <laughs> and i grew up you know in a in a military household i think that was the first influence my father was in the uh, united states navy and being a, a child in that atmosphere moving from base to base and seeing what he did and being exposed to all of that that just was basically part of my life it's it's what i knew uh, and that's all that I knew. Can I just explore that a little bit, a little bit more, please? Because that's in, that's interesting. Because that's way back from being an infant, a baby. How? What influence did that have on your life? And how challenging was it at times? And how interesting or fulfilling was it? Well, Joe, I'd say from my earliest memories of it, uh, you don't really realize what it is uh, just like anyone in any place when you grow up from childhood you, that's just what you are exposed to and that's what you're familiar with yeah uh, i will say that uh, looking back and comparing myself to the stories of other children or, or other classmates and, and colleagues i did move more often the united mm. states military tends to move their personnel from uh place to place uh, a lot more and not just within our country borders but external to the country as well we we call that being overseas like my station is right now i'm considered overseas because i'm not in my in my normal country yeah but when you talk about benefits again this is all in retrospect the benefit of living in so many different places and meeting so many different people gives you those additional and alternative perspectives that you might not have gained growing up in one location yeah. with one homogeneous kind of uh, culture and, and people around you. So there was that. I wouldn't trade that uh, for anything. I've lived in uh, a slew of different countries, different cities, different states within my own country. I've learned other languages than English. So that's been a great uh, exposure, big uh, cultural shifts and differences. Just being able to understand people is one of the great benefits and having patience and just, you know, being welcoming and wanting to learn more, being curious uh, because we're all different. And every new place that, that I've been to, it's it's like starting over almost with learning how life goes, how, how it's easier or not as easy in, in different lands. Um, if, if you were to ask me about disadvantages, looking back, you know, I try to live without regrets, so I don't paste those out. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I, I will say, from a child perspective, changing schools can mm -hmm. be quite daunting when you're when you're young and mm -hmm. taken out of the environment that you're 
you, that you've become really familiar with. And, uh, you know, a year for a child is different than a year for an adult. A yeah, year for a child yeah. is because the, you know, the, the life hasn't been so long it is much, much more expansive and it takes longer really you know, perceptually to get through. So when you've been in one school, for example, and, you know, you learn, you gain friends and relationships and those sorts of things. And then to be taken out of that, plucked away from it, change a complete location and then reinserted. And sometimes midstream, not even wait till the end of the year, change location and then start a new school year with, uh, you know, fresh. Uh, mm -hmm. I've, I've been in and out of schools in the, in the middle of the year. You know, you show up, you're the new person. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But but because I've done that so many times and that's just been the way of life. Uh, now, as an adult, I don't have that problem. And, and that's been um, very helpful going into my profession of the United States Navy. And, and that's great because that shows a resilience that you obviously have. I, I know you, you said, like, when you're a child, a year is a great big chunk of life, whereas now in our latter years, a year is less of an issue or less of a time obstacle. When you were when you were moving from place to pay, place, what sorts of observations did you make with other children who were serving who were in a service family? Did you notice that some dealt with it better than others? I I didn't really notice that because we were all in it together, really. Right, okay. and, and you've you've heard that before, and and yeah. that's a common theme even in the military because we we train really really hard. We're all in it together. We're going yeah. through the same thing. We go on deployments. We're all in it together again. You're in combat. You're all in it together. Mm. Go on vacation. You know, you take time off. You know, everything's like that. Uh, even growing up uh, with the, in the military. And that I will say that it was its own culture that yeah. is tough to explain because the military in itself, and I'm pretty sure it's the same way here in the United Kingdom, if you took a, uh, a sampling of the military you'd get people from all over the country. Yeah. All different backgrounds, all different creeds, all different everything. So it's this swarm of multicultural, multi-faith, multi-background people just put together and you you survive, right? You get through yeah. it because you're all in it together. And uh, yeah, there was there weren't any like really big challenges, you know. And that's a great that's a great point about being in it all together and talking about creed culture how how is that how does that manifest itself now in the u.s military is it sort of a big family now and there's a realization that hey we're all human beings i'm not sure if it's that expansive yet um right. i think i think our population in the united states is roughly 400 million plus or minus 50 million yeah. or so uh, the United States military, all the services, yeah. are maybe one percent of that, maybe. Right. Okay. So uh, it's very, it's still a small population, though right. it is one of the most trusted organizations in in the country. Oh wow! Uh, which is very good, and <clears throat> excuse me, the I would say the perception overall over the last 40, 50 years has changed. Uh, if you read the history of Vietnam conflict and, and how the military was looked at from the, in the public eye back then, it's, it's vastly different 
from what it is uh, become, what it has become, and what it uh, transitioned through in the last 20, 25 years, really. Well, that's interesting that you mentioned Vietnam because I I remember we were talking. I I went on tour with with in America with the Americans a few times, uh, and we did one, and it was by Seattle, a massive base. And and I was talking to a Vietnam vet, and he said, if you really want to know a, a true depiction of what went on in Vietnam, go and see um, Private Ryan. I think it was. Uh, 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 oh no, platoon. That was it, platoon. Okay, yes. Right, yeah, platoon. And I watched it and I thought, wow, because there was some stuff going on in, in in Vietnam, and there were lots of challenges. So it's great to hear that now it's there's been a cultural change, if if you like. I, I believe so. At least I feel that way. Uh, whenever uh, I mention what I do for a living or what I've been doing for a living, um, I get I get thanks. And that's a, and really just someone saying thank you, it just yeah. is it, it that does it, because then yeah. you know, uh, a citizen of your country values what you do, and it's also the same for the citizens of other countries that that I've met when they realize, uh, yeah. you know, that it's they r- realize the sacrifice. I believe not just of the individual service member or of the service, but it's the sacrifice of the nation, and in. in not just not just in, in blood, but in treasure as well. And I've and I've got to say, you guys in America really do it great, right? The way you Thank respect you. your veteran community, because I know that when back in the seventies and eighties, there was a lot of stigma attached with coming coming back from Vietnam or the Vietnam vets. And now you've just had a complete shift change where where you're playing the national anthem, people stand up and celebrate veterans. So in the UK, I think actually we've got some way to go before we get there. Um so now now that you've been you you've shared with us your Romany days as a child, moving around with your father as a as a service family. Well, what was when was the moment that you thought, yeah, I'm going to join the military? That's my quest, my destiny. Okay, that's it. Yes, that moment I remember it vividly, and it might come as a surprise, uh, but it was when our space shuttle Challenger was destroyed on liftoff. Oh wow! And and why was I had been thinking about it previously. Uh, but that moment basically made me want to become an astronaut and become part of NASA and and be a space shuttle you know uh, pilot commander and and do that. It was really exciting for for very you know for a young boy. It was very exciting to to think. Well, in the face of tragedy, we're going to rebuild because that's what we do. And you mentioned the word resilience, and that is. A major theme with uh, the culture of the United States of America. It's that you know, out of out of tragedy, out of um, heartache and disadvantage, any person can take it upon themselves and improve themselves and make themselves better, and then make the community better and make the nation better. So, you know, we're instilled with a lot of that of the culture um, early on. So, in in a tragedy such as that. In my mind, I thought, well, I want to be part of the improvement. Yeah. And and to do that, and this is 
probably in the nature of why I'm a, a planner. Uh, it just from then I, I thought, okay, well, let me go into the library and find out how do you become an astronaut? Well, there are a lot of movies about it and probably a lot of books about it, but you know, for a young, young boy, you basically you look at the requirements and there are a lot of, a lot of people with the PhDs, you know, doctor degrees or, and, or military experience. And if you want to fly the shuttle, then you have to be a military pilot. That's just where, where we've taken the crop from. And what do you have to do to become a military pilot? Well, you have to do well in school, go and get your degree and qualify and then go through the, the training process. So that was my goal to become a, a military pilot. And I, I looked at multiple services and I ended up in the Navy, I think, because uh, it was more exciting in my mind to fly to and from ships at sea uh, yeah. and, and, and have that, that forward proje uh, power projection aspect of it. That's fabulous to be so focused. What age was that? Do you, well, how old were you? <laughs> oh, let's just say it was, I was young. I, it was <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah. I said, what am, what am I doing asking you? <laughs> I was, I was younger. Yes. <laughs> Naughty me. Yeah. <laughs> so, right. So now you, you were young uh, when Challenger, uh, sadly, the, the, the tragedy happened and you thought you wanted to be a part of that. And how do you get it? So I love how you, you first of all, decided on the go and then looked at the steps to get you there. So I suppose, like, you're working from the top down, like, goal at the top, then what have I got to do to get there? So what what happened next? What what you? So we know why you wanted to join the military. What was the process for you? The process, Lynn, like, like you alluded to there, was uh, basically taking all the steps necessary to get from where I was to where I wanted to be. I knew yeah. it would take a, a long time, and there were – uh, competing interests. Um, I I thought one day maybe I'd like to be a surgeon. Even you know I'd, I'd like to. I, I was very invested in science and, and mathematics. Uh, my father was an engineer, and of course he always you know pushed us to become an engineer, get a get a difficult degree, and uh, you'll always be set with options. <laughs> was his was his mantra. So from there I completed school along the way. I did. Uh, a lot of scouting, boy scouting, and uh, went to the end of that. I became an Eagle Scout. And of course, you know, that is uh, based upon Lord Baden-Powell and yeah, yeah. his studies and, and leadership. And from that, uh, it, I, I learned a lot about service, um, service to the community, service and citizenship in the, in the, in the country and in the world. And so I, I took those with me into my university where I studied engineering. Oh, well, right. Yep. Yeah. I, I did. It, it made sense after I thought about it. Instead of rebelling, I uh, went went with it. And why? Because it was a natural fit for me anyway. It's uh, I, I, Before STEM was STEM, that's what I did. And I uh, got my degree in civil engineering. And partway through that, uh, you know, we everyone, you, when you have a plan and you have the steps you've laid out to accomplish that, plan and get to the end state, not all of those steps go exactly the way you would like them to go. No. Or, you know, you run into obstacles. Um, sometimes you make your own obstacles. And I made a few of my own obstacles. Yeah. And then for other obstacles, it just kind of popped up. So again, you learn how to deal with adversity. 
and a change of plans, you, you get that resilience, as you mentioned before, and you push through and you keep going because you're not where you're at your, at your goal. There are many paths, you know, they say all roads lead to Rome, right? There are so many different roads that can get you there. And I've, I've gone off the path and come back in. And at one point I thought, well, I'll just complete my civil engineering degree and become a civil engineer and a doctor and, you know, go that route. And then uh, an opportunity came up where I could go straight into flight school with the United States Navy. And I took it. I took it right away because that put me back on my on my path. And uh, and what was what was the route? What was the route in? Um, the, the, there's a uh, there's a there are many programs to become a commissioned officer in the United States Navy. One is the service academy, the the United States Naval Academy. Another way is through Reserve Officer Training Corps, which there are many of in many of the universities. The program that I entered through was called Aviation Officer Candidate School. And what they did was they would recruit people at, at, at colleges and universities who were interested in joining the Navy and did not go through the four years of academy or Reserve Officer Training Corps. And the requirement for that was you qualify medically and you get your degree and you sign some papers and you go to a, uh, it's not a, I wouldn't call it a boot camp, but it's a similar course of, of study that's 13 weeks long where uh, you're, you're brought in and it's, it's learning, it's physical training, it's uh, all of that to, to mold you into a naval officer and then you're commissioned and then you go off to your, your service schools whichever uh, community you select. Right, okay. So you and you actually get to select the community, whether it's the uh, for or, or, like the flight school or whether it's an engineering or officer or an, uh, a, what else, a commanding officer, a ship going that way. Exactly. So that that's, uh, in my mind, the, the good part of being um, brought into the officer candidate school is that I was recruited specifically for aviation. That was my interest. I told them up front, and that's where I—that's the contract I signed. We'll, we'll say so. When I went into that school for for uh, thirteen weeks, I knew upon successful completion, I would be commissioned and be sent to flight school. And just out of interest, did you have any Brits? Did you ever come across any Brits that went on that route that joined, or was it all American at that stage? At that stage, it's all American because it's specifically for the United States Navy, that, right. that program. When I finally got into flight school portion, uh, I did have some international students um, in my course. I did not meet any any of the uh, British forces in that portion of my career. Right. Um, a couple other countries, I, I believe it was... Uh, Italy and uh, Saudi Arabia, actually, and uh, you know, some people were invited to send some people through. But I think the United Kingdom has a pretty solid aviation program where, yeah. where they wouldn't send maybe some other programs, but not the one that I was in. The, the reason the reason I ask is because I, I've heard my my my, my son uh, and I, I know a few of his friends say, "Oh, Top Gun, right." And you know because that's obviously the second film, and and I do like Top Gun actually. I think it's, I think it's great. Obviously, it's sensationalizing. You're probably looking at it and thinking, 
I will say in the in the early days of my uh, my flight school and my uh, pre-flight indoctrination and then then learning how to f- actually fly, you learn the actual rules and regulations for certain things, and then when you and then you get to recognize that it, in the movies how as you mentioned some things are sensationalized. But I'm also a film buff, so I I completely <laughs> understand the difference between a story and telling a story visually and reality. And it's a it's great fun. Those films are great fun. Good. Oh, thank you. Yeah, thanks for sharing that. So you've you you're now in the military and you've done a few tours. We're coming to a transition period because you depending on who I'm in, who I'm chatting to on this podcast, a lot of the guys are veterans and may have been out a couple of years, a year, or maybe more than that. Occasionally, you get I get to speak to people who are still in and are not going out. You're at the stage now where you smack bang on the transition. So, do you want to just share with us what sort of challenges you're thinking to and opportunities like a, a SWOT analysis, if you like, strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats? Yes. You know, what's going on in your mind, and you can go in as detailed uh, or not as you wish. Sure. Thanks. Thanks for that, Joe. You're absolutely correct. I'm still uh, an active duty service member in the United States Navy. I am really well into the transition. Uh, I arrived in the United Kingdom uh, in late 2020. Unfortunately, there was still a lot of the uh, uh, restrictions going on because of the pandemic. So, you know, we, we had some challenges there. And I've been in this transition really the whole time administratively, yeah. as we have a lot of we have a lot of lead times with that sort of paperwork to get done and, and scheduling things straight through. Um, our plan quickly developed to, and when I say our plan, it's a we don't transition by ourselves. The entire family transitions as as well. I mean, they're they're with us. You know, as as I cited earlier, we're all in this together. The family is definitely all in it uh, from start to finish and, and and crossing over as well. So we made the decision that we would pursue staying, remaining in the United Kingdom uh, post my separation. Uh, mm-hmm. We call it we call it administratively retirement because I'm leaving the, the, the military and I'm not going to come back into it. Yeah. But, but I'm not going to be retired. Um, I will be separating from the from the military and. Uh, Yes. So the big challenge there was how do we stay in the United Kingdom um, without being sponsored by the Ministry of Defense as a active duty service person? Um, I would fall into a different. We fall into a different category uh, immigration wise. Yeah. So that was kind of the, the the first big hurdle. There are a lot of smaller hurdles, but that one was definitely like Mount Everest to get over. Um and that happened late in the transition, actually just a few months ago. And now that uh, we've gotten through that, you know, past that hurdle, things have uh, been going rather rapidly um, in, in the transition. I, I, and, and let me let me explore that a little bit more. How how friendly, user friendly, approachable, systemized did you find the process of the immigration documentation and how how easy was it or how difficult was it 
That's a good question. Um, there are some parts that were pretty easy. I, I will say the the gov.uk website, it's really good. It's really well set up and very user-friendly. Right. I, I, I get a lot of information from that website on every subject that I need to know about in, in, in this country. It's, it's amazing. Uh, and um, so that from that aspect, uh, it was very, very user friendly for um, from the personal aspect of, uh, you know, the how do you do ac accomplish it? It was not as easy. It was quite daunting. There are several categories of uh, immigration and it was difficult to find the, the, to settle on one that would work. Uh, so that was kind of a, a challenge. Uh, I thought. It, because, okay, I'm transitioning, I'm going to have to find some employment. Why not target and start getting information from companies, larger companies that operate in the United Kingdom, perhaps United States-based companies that operate in the United Kingdom, and perhaps uh, employment there would confer immigration status to be, be able to stay in the country and do that job. So that's what I began pursuing. Uh, it ended up being a uh, different way having to deal with uh, Brexit and the European Union settlement scheme that right. uh, really opened the door for us. And I, I will say, you know, there's a, a phrase out there, you, you get what you pay for. Yeah, yeah. And, and so, you, you know, if you want, sometimes if you need something done and done correctly, uh, you have to absorb a, a cost and I was happy to absorb a cost with uh, the services of, a, of an immigration law firm here in the country. And it, especially during that part of my transition, when I was very, very much overwhelmed with administration and scheduling and mm -hmm. that bit, I, I really didn't have any room on my plate for something else. And, and the time to fill out paperwork and make sure it was correct. And maybe some, there would be a mistake and it would come back. So Sometimes it's best to just get somebody else to do the yeah. job who's a professional. And while you were saying that, I was just processing the information because I suppose if you tick the wrong box and, or you tick the box that you think is right and it's actually wrong and it sends you down a foxhole, then, wow, the bets are off and you might have to start again. So that would be... That's, a time. that's lost time. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So thank you for sharing that. I mean, that, that's very useful because, I mean... Uh, as I said before, we're brothers in arms and just as sisters in arms as well. Uh, and, you know, it's great that you're coming to this country to give your obvious experience to, to help bring our country forward. And I, I think that I know that that would be reciprocal as well if a Brit wanted to go over to the US, uh, USA. And so I think it is fabulous just... Going back to, I'm interested, you know, we touched on Top Gun before. What what did you, out of interest, what did you actually fly? What aircrafts were you in charge of? Well, in flight school, you start off with a, uh, it's basically a, a a light aircraft, a light airplane, a yeah. turbo, pro, turbo propeller engine. And yeah. from there, depending on timing and how you perform in the aircraft, and your desires, there's a little card that you fill out. Uh, you will you will be selected for uh, a major platform, that being either tactical aircraft or maritime patrol aircraft or 
rotary wing aircraft. And I selected rotary wing aircraft that week. So I ended up going to a school where I, I began flying a, uh, a small helicopter, a uh, Bell model helicopter. Oh, and, right. and, that, and that progressed into my principal platforms, the first one being the MH-53 Echo. We call it the Sea Dragon or Sea Stallion, depending yeah. on Navy or Marine Corps. And then I also crossed over and flew the MH-60 Sierra Sea Knight based on the Seahawk airframe. Brilliant. It was it was it was great, especially flying with the Marine Corps. They really know their business. Yep. And what did you enjoy most about that? That's a that's a difficult question. There wasn't anything that I didn't enjoy oh, about, wow. about flying. There, there's not, and it and it was true when uh, someone more experienced back in the days of the flight school said to all of the students back then. It was a big presentation. Uh, it doesn't matter what you fly; you're going to love it. And what, I thought, what a great message to implant in your mind. It, it, it is, but they were completely correct from day one, getting in that small, you know, airplane. It, it's a, you know, it's a single engine propeller airplane. That was just wondrous. Just, just getting into the, the, the cockpit and closing it up and putting all the straps in. And, you know, there's no, there was no ejection seat in that type of an aircraft. So before you get in, you had to make sure you strapped on your parachute, which, which I found a, a little concerning, but at the same time, <laughs> enthralling. You know, that's just yeah. two things are right, and according to the checklist, and likely well, won't have to use. Yeah, well, I share your passion because I've got my I've got my uh, light aircraft pilot's license and helicopter and fixed wing. And that time when the instructor, you've got no idea when they're going to do it, and the instructor says, "Right, next flight is solo," and he just hop out, and you think, "Well," and I mean, it sounds like you were going solo pretty much. From the get go, um, but yeah, that was exhilarating to 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 just go there. Moving on to success, because we're gonna do we're gonna do failure uh, as, as well, because the, you've already touched on the fact that you've faced some challenges. Um, what's the secret of your success? Do you think? And you're not necessarily while you're processing that question, I'm not necessarily asking for the golden nugget. What's the one thing? Because you know what? I'm not sure there is a golden nugget, is there? Uh... Joe, there, there isn't. There is no golden nugget. Everyone's story is different. Everyone's path is different. There are a lot of tools and resources available to help out. A lot of people will offer unsolicited advice. And some people, you can will ask them and they will be sparingly cautious and offer you some maybe alternatives or things to consider. Advice telling you, you have to do this because that isn't the same for everybody. Yeah. So going back to your question, there is no secret uh, for success. If, if I'm considered to be successful, which being pragmatic and an engineering mind and goal oriented and a planner, I don't, I wouldn't consider myself successful because I haven't made it to the end of all of my varying plans. Uh, I'm successfully tracking toward them, but yeah. what does that mean? That means that I've looked ahead at the at the goal. I've found found out, done the research, 
and found out what it takes to, to get there, the various routes to get there. And then I've looked at those various routes and picked them apart to find the holes, to find the, the landmines, those traps, those mm -hmm. threats that you mentioned. Yeah. And then when I consider what could go wrong, mm -hmm. what could, what could get me off of my path or impede my progression, I look at the risk and, and determine maybe some controls to outmaneuver that threat or work around it or have some backup plans just in case it doesn't go as well as my plan alpha. Mm. I'll put together and make sure that I have a plan Bravo to go around it. And if that gets X, then maybe a couple other various routes or various entry points or other people to deal with or other tools to use. Or this is life. You only get one shot at it. You don't yeah. have to stick on one end state or one goal. You can have multiple end states and multiple goals as long as you're tracking to where you kind of want to be in this world. If you want to be a, a good, a great leader, if you know, track toward that. There are many routes. Maybe you don't have to lead in this area, but you can lead in this area. Yeah, maybe you to, to serve. Maybe you wanted to serve veterans. Yeah. There are a million ways you could probably do that. Yeah, I, I, and that's the same as I, I think that the military. I don't know about you, but I guess you'll agree. The military set me up in so many ways. I mean, like with a bomb disposal task or engineering combat engineering task, what the textbook said or the pamphlet, and <laughs> wasn't always the way it could be done or the way it could be achieved. You know what I mean, it's a, it's a bit of a guide and it can be a detailed guide, pretty much like your checklist on, on your rotor wing. Uh, the fact is though, that sometimes your engine off landing might not be exactly the same because a wind or whatever. That's right. In, engine off was a technical term, sorry, that in, engine failure. Um, but yes, yeah, so from that then, what I've, what I've got from what you've said, Charles, is that success isn't just one direction. It isn't just one technique. It's a multifaceted approach where you've got to take everything that you get and take it and assess it. That's, That's right. Yeah. You, you do. There, and there are so many different valuables, to, uh, sorry, variables yeah. to take into consideration. Maybe you're wanting to do something and it's weather dependent. Can you really guarantee on make guarantees on the weather? It could change on you very quickly. And you can use that as a metaphor across the board. Uh, you know, you, you mentioned the SWAT strengths, weaknesses, yeah. um, opportunities and, and threats. Everybody has different levels of those and different types of, of those. It, it's, it's really, again, it comes back to you have to define. I mean, I don't want to be prescriptive, but one should consider defining their own vision of what their end state or goal or success looks like to them mm. not and not compare themselves to others along the way. Maybe you've got a couple of heroes mm. or, or a, a, a couple of uh, inspirations out there. Great. Use those and draw from those, but don't consider that you will become one of them Yeah, because they're their own person. And you are your own person, and I, and I, I say that generally. Um, no, that's a, that's a great point because actually, and, and it's good to have heroes, people to look up to. 
be authentic though be yourself be the best self that you can be based on the information he said something before and i just wanted to dig a little bit deeper unsolicited advice and then where you've asked the question what's the difference and what uh, um I, I think i know where you're coming from but just share with our listeners what do you think the difference is and how how can it manifest itself how helpful or unhelpful can it be this and i'm glad you came back to that joe uh this is something that, and I think that the, the military does well with its service people. It, it, it ingrains you with these experiences and this kind of a thinking and questioning mind to want to not exactly trust right away every single bit of information that's out there. And I yeah. think where our conversation is going to eventually end up it is in networking, right? Mm -hmm. And I, I'll touch on it lately now because... Networking uh, is a is a great tool to to bring all types of different information together to help you out. But we should consider practicing how to sift through all of that information. There's so much of it out there. And when I talk about um, unsolicited advice, there are a lot of uh, people who will just blurt out, "You have to do this. You have to do that." Mm -hmm. Here's yeah. my checklist. You need to follow it. Do I really? I mean, if I followed all the checklists that were given to me, which are set up for retiring inside the, the continental United States and going to work there, I would be lost. Yeah. I have to blaze through. I have to make my own checklist. I have to take those, as you, as you called them earlier, those little gold nuggets out of someone else's unsolicited advice and think, okay, I'll consider that, that part of it because it actually applies to me. But the rest is just kind of some more background noise to, to tune down. You know, and, and don't discard everybody right off the bat. I'm not putting anyone down. When people give their, their advice, they're, they're coming, it's all coming from a good place. They really yeah. want to help yeah. others. But it's also incumbent upon the reader or the person who's consuming this information, this, this advice, to be able to, to, to know what's good for them personally advice mm -hmm. just taking it wrote you know okay that person says go left mm -hmm. I'll, i'm gonna go left well maybe the going the other way is better for you personally but you just need to i mean need to i, I don't want to be no 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 that, that's, that's right. right we should just consider getting as much information as we can a broad swath of it of all varying opinions all different um perspectives and then distill it down to what's good for us. Yeah. And, and that's a great point, because again, what I love about interviewing you and, and having a chat and when doing the podcast, because it, it's conversational, it, it allows us to process information uh, and process what's being discussed. And that, something's just come up to me about inherent risk and real risk. So like when I'm talking to my clients about, say, an ISA, an individual savings account, you know, an investment, right? Okay. It's for a certain amount, a an amount of money. Now, to a pensioner who has only got £20,000 in the whole wide world, compared to a multimillionaire who's got lots of money invested, the inherent risk and the real risk is different. Because the real risk is that you could lose your money, right? Uh, it may, the investment could go down as well as up. The, the real risk to the pensioner is... That, that could be everything. You know, if it went down by 20%, 50%, they've lost half of what the value. Whereas for a millionaire, it was just, okay. And I think that's what that's what's coming across to me from what you say, that 
It's about you got to look at yourself and what's out there to bring it in for what you need, if that makes sense. It, it does. And when you were just describing that example, to me, the, the word relativity popped in. Because even though the pensioner may have only 20000 and the multi-millionaire has, seems to have a lot more, it's all relative. They yeah, still yeah. have, still whatever they have is still 100% of what they have. Yeah, yeah. And when you work on percentages, it's just a, a, a it's just a magnitude, but it's still the same amount. And when we look at, at ourselves, we should look at ourselves as a full one hundred percent of ourselves, mm. and not and not only five percent of somebody yeah. else. Yeah, that's, and that's an important thing to to consider and and keep you know in your in your heart uh, that every one of us is valuable to the full amount of ourselves yeah uh, and what pops in my mind and and I, and I know we've talked a lot about film during our conversation but I, I've got a I've got a lot of uh pop culture in 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 my culture and yeah. a lot of it comes from film and, and uh, there are a lot of films you know over over the years uh, dystopian futures right yeah. and what happens? People are all the same. You're, it's it's kind of the, the 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 world of value of tangible value goes away, and it's all about people, and we we shouldn't lose that. And I, and I think that's something that the military helps instill in its in its members that yeah. everyone is valuable, everyone is worthwhile. Otherwise, we wouldn't have been brought in and given that task to do and do correctly every single time, because lives depend on it because mm. you know mother country depends on it your families depend on it we leave the military service but we take that with us mm. so when we go and work in what you call civvy street you've got a bunch of veterans out there that truly value people and people are our most valuable resource uh, thank you for that, and and, and it, it it's great that you say that because I know that when when I see someone is a veteran, whether that be Army, Navy, Air Force, and I know we take the mick out of each other. That's a an English term for having a laugh <laughs> each other's expense. But at the end of the day, we're all in it together, as you've said before. Yes, I know the caliber of person, right, by the military resume. I just know. What I've got an idea. I might not have been through exactly the same pro process as they have, but I know that they've been through a process and I know what they've had to do, if that makes sense. It does. It does. And you're right. You can definitely tell that from someone who's in the military. If you look at where they've where they've been, you have that mental picture yeah. automatically. Yeah. I, and and you said early on, right, that and and my ears pricked up again, but I didn't want to I didn't want to I didn't want to identify it until now you said that not everything went to plan you know when you when you were a, a child uh, and then when you go you you transitioned into the military you decided after the challenge of tragedy right i want to be an astronaut I, what do i need to do it it couldn't have gone all to plan could it so what no because you're because you're not interviewing yeah you're not interviewing a nasa astronaut so it didn't go all to plan no. So how do you deal with failure then? Well, I don't want to sound like it's a platitude, but it, it's not failure. 
and I had this discussion with um, another transitioning service member not too long ago. They talked about uh, taking failure or, or actually taking the losses with the wins as you go along. Um, wins are when you're able to move to the next step, right? You've, you've basically succeeded with a step you were on and you're ready to move to the next step. It's kind of a success. A failure would be going backwards and you can't really go backwards. Maybe you can in some ways, but according to your plan and your, your mental outlook going towards your vision and the fact that you can't go back in time, for me, it means you can't go back. I can't, nothing can, can strike me and knock me back in time to, to, to take away everything that I've accomplished to now. That yeah. would be, for me, failure. Maybe I'm defining it a different way. What I in, uh, instead capture is maybe there is a delay in your progress. Maybe there's a set a setback. Yeah. You have to, you're going forward down your path. You meet an obstacle, which is insurmountable. You roll to your plan B, which means you have to turn around a little bit and go a different route around that obstacle. That's just a, that's just a setback, a delay. You, you use your resilience, you, you bounce back and you continue on. Um, and then you, you learn from that if there's a lesson to take from it. And I know in the military, we like to say lessons learned. Well, I like to say lessons implemented because lesson learned, you write it down, you can forget it, you can file it away. No, you have to take that lesson, turn it into an action and feed it into your plan and your checklist to make it sure that you're repeating it continuously so that it becomes a habit. Maybe you should get a job in, in our government because I hear that they need to lessons implemented because I, I hear repeatedly our lessons will be learned. And you know what? Not really. That's right. And and I, it's interesting because I, I always say to uh, my sons and any clients that I work with, failure is the feedback for champions, right? Because it doesn't mean to say you can't do it ever. You just take it as feedback, and and not, and I, I also say, and 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 I've I've got a feeling of how you work you work like about the plan B. I what do you think of this aspect of it? Because because I talk about if you're setting off on a journey, especially in flight, you may well set off and take off. It's not so much in rotor wing because you can just go vertical. But on a fixed wing, you may well start off your journey opposite to the way you're going. But your plan A is to get to the destination. It's just that how you get there changes because of... And I think the flight analogy is great because you get things like storms, wind, everything. Uh, and, and like the astronauts, the, the actual rocket is very seldom pointing to where it wants to go because... It needs to make adjustments. That's true. And I'm glad you mentioned that adjustments are, are you need to fine tune along the way because not everything is like uh, an arrow or a sniper shot, you know, with no wind, for example. And you're yeah. right. The flight analogy is great because when you plan your flight, and there you go, you're, you're looking at your, you have your vision, you're laying down your path to get from A to B or A, B, C. One thing to consider is your resilience, your duration, your longevity. You know, basically, how much stamina do you have? We're going to call that fuel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if you run out of that, you have to take a rest. 
and recharge. And what happens if you hit one of those obstacles, even if you're fully rested and fully charged like a storm? You know, you can't you can't go through it, but you can let you can let it blow by. So you have what a divert. You know, you've already planned. Well, I can go here and rest and it's okay because I've already planned for it. I've already thought about it. That's your plan B or your plan C. You, yeah. you always have you always have a way out. And I, I'm I'm not a I'm not a motorcycle rider, but I did take a course on motorcycle safety. So I learned how to ride a motorcycle and be safe on it. And one of the the most important lessons there was always have a way out. When you're in traffic, a motorcycle it's very you know it's more dangerous to operate than a than a vehicle. You're exposed, so you have to always when you're riding look around okay where can i go if i have if there's something is in front of me or something stops you know there's an there's an obstacle and it's just kind of the same thing you know on your journey always figure out a, a way out a way around a safe passage you know an exit ramp if you will and then you know you can get back on later thank you and uh, uh, coming on to the uh, and i guess that when did you when did you start when did you come across from the us to the uk how long ago was that now? Uh, I entered the United Kingdom for this tour in um, the fall of 2020. Right, okay. So the, the reason I asked that, there, there is, there is uh, a method in my madness, if you like, because I want to know how, how important you think having a, social, a strong social and business network is. And I know you're not in business per se yet, but you may have been considering that, knowing how you operate. You may have been considering and structuring that over the past amounts of time. So how important do you think the social and business network is to you and to a veteran leaving the or someone who's leaving the military? Well, I'll start off by saying I hadn't considered really yet dividing uh, networks into social and business, though I think maybe I've been doing it um, all along and not really knowing I was doing that intentionally. So of course, early on, what, what came first was a social type of networking. If we look at the history, early two thousands, you know, until now, it was all about friends getting together and chatting and long distance pen pals are now chat rooms. Uh, Oh, I, I haven't seen my grade school friend in 20 years, uh, but now I can we can talk regularly because of the internet and the social network. Yeah. Then it expanded to being able to do it through business, right? And of course, now there's this uh, amazing tool out there called LinkedIn, which mm -hmm. started off in, in that way, but it really is such so much more. And I'm not going to how we met as well. instruct on that. Yeah, but uh, I, I will say that I do use it. And I will say that when I began using it, um, my network really consisted of colleagues, you know, other other members of the US Navy or Army or Marine Corps that, that I met and knew and were already kind of networked with socially, but on this business, more business-like platform, uh, they were my first kind of network. So yeah. I guess without thinking about it, it was more, it was more of a business network because I didn't take care of any social business on that on that platform at, at all. Um, there are plenty other platforms to do that. Um, but now, in the last year or so, I have been 
as you say, more intentional with using that platform uh, and word of mouth and meeting people as well. Uh, now that restrictions have died down, that's been the best part of it is actually being able to have a face-to-face conversation with someone, which by far is the best way to network. Yeah. You know, platform platforms are great, but to be now, to be in the same place in the, in, as another person and, and be able to speak with them, chat, you know, bond, read body language, all that kind of thing um, is the best way. The next are telephone conversations or video chats like we're doing now. Yeah, yeah. That's it's 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 a kind of you know, not too close, but it's the second best. Then you've got those uh, other passive networks or active passive networks that, that where you don't really see people. You just kind of uh, message back and forth. I think it's important that, that I started that. Um, if I knew then what I know now about my future to stay in the UK, I would have started that the moment when I got here. Maybe even before then. And actually, I kind of did do that before then because i've been working in nato for a lot uh, of years and uh i've met many uh royal forces during those during those years uh so unintentionally networking in in your country before even getting here but now now i'm full-on definitely trying doing that to build a, a presence to build a, a network to know just to get to know people and, and learn how yeah. life is culture here the business culture is here and and not just for oh i I, i'm after a job no it's to meet people to let them know who i am to learn from them and once you do that and you have that firm network Mm -hmm. then people then you're in the mind of people then when something comes around that they might think that you're a good fit for then they'll share it And, and that's that's a great side benefit of having that network it's not exactly i mean you can be intentional about doing that and and spend hours it's it's almost i I compare it to kind of like day trading with the stock market you have to really always be in there and on it and searching around um but it's uh still yeah definitely networking is the way to establish yourself and learn and hopefully uh it leads service members to to those to those gold nuggets and you touched on something uh, that, that comes up regularly, actually, when I'm having these chats, is that you don't always recognise how important a relationship is in that moment. As you build rapport and you build the relationship, then it may go off the boil for a while because it doesn't seem like there's anything at common in common at that time, but then it might just be eight months, six months, a year, or maybe more later were, ah, yeah, I know. Maybe I can help them, or maybe they can help me, if that makes sense. It it, it does. Uh, Knowing what I know now, I'll add a little bit to that, that with with the passage of time uh, element, if it's something where you can help somebody, absolutely. And I always advocate helping others and making sure that – people are aware that you're available to help them. That's the first step always. Um, yeah. You have to always be willing to take that first step and be available, you know, cross the bridge, not me halfway, but you'd be willing to fully cross the bridge onto the, the other person's side and help them with what yeah. they're doing. Yeah. That, that's that's the first thing. Um, if, if someone is being intentional about um, trying to be receiving help, then you definitely need to treat relationships kind of like 
uh, kind of like your garden. You, you need to tend to them often, uh, you know, water them, care for them, prune. You know, you need to, you need, there has to be activity. If you leave that garden for six, eight, 14 months, you know, when you come back to it, it's not going to be as spectacular and it, it might even reject you. And that's what I find so rewarding, fulfilling of these podcasts, because without exception, the, like like yourself and the other guests, it's all about, well, what can the outcome be to help others? Because I know that what we're discussing is there's just a whole mine of information, useful information for, for, for people to get from this, which is, is what I think is fabulous. Yes. Yes. It, your your audience uh, definitely will benefit from every kind of little bit of information that your guests can provide. And if someone watches this and hears what I'm saying, maybe 10%, if lucky 15, 20% of anything I say will resonate with any one person. But even if just 1% of that helps them, mission yeah. complete. Job done. Yeah. Yeah. If there's one person who gets something from this, that's ace. Now, we I think that it's like uh, subcon uh, subconscious or subliminal learning. Um, and you've already touched on it, but I just want to I want to ask you directly. What do you think? And going back to your military career, which which is quite easy because you're still there, but just go back to that first time that you hopped in that aircraft and you thought, wow, and you're looking. Or maybe that first landing on on the carrier when they're in rough seas. How important, and maybe you were pilot number two, second in command, how important is having a good coach or mentor to be? Oh, it, it is, especially if it's, in an area you are in and want to success uh, have more success in or an area you want to learn about you're you're dead on okay for example um i don't know maybe i want to change you know completely change gears and become a truck driver i can't just go and start tooling around in a parking lot to learn it the best way i need to have someone who's been there who's done it who's as you say, had those setbacks and not setbacks and, and has progressed and is at the top of their game to watch what I do, to offer tips, to be uh, there to, to, to coach and, and, and not necessarily mold, but, but offer the, the best perspectives to help me along my path to get better at that task, to, to, be, to be the best. But it's not just up to a mentor or a coach. The person who is interacting, like we'll use this example. If I'm there learning from this master truck driver, I have to be coachable. I have to be willing to take it on what this person is saying and, and apply it and then go back and, and, and interact with them more and say, look, I did what you said and it worked or I did exactly what you said. You know, I, I followed your technique, but it's not, it's not working for me, I, but and I experienced, I experimented more, and I found that if I give a little bit more turn and, and and gas at that spot, it works out better for me. Okay, well, still job done. You don't have to do exactly what they say, or or whatever they say won't might not work exactly for you. But as long as you apply the lessons and are coachable, you you you'll be oriented better toward where you really want to be. 
And, and that's that's great feedback as well, because if your cultural mentor has suggested that you do it this way and then you find that actually 90% of that works, but the final 10%, you have to do it differently and you give you give that feedback to the coach mentor, then they say, right, okay, great. You got 100% there because you adapted it for yourself, which is what we said before, isn't it? That, yes. You know, there's no, no point in becoming a clone of your hero. You need <laughs> to look at the hero, see what they do well, and then see if you can adapt your own process yes exactly um you know this this question this the question i've got might be may or may not be completely fair right and what is fair well everything's fair isn't it um so because you make your own fairness in life the the word i'm coming to is the skills you've learned in the military so far and today which has made you the brilliant human being that you are Right. Thank you. No, that's okay because I'm with you on on a lot of the stuff you talked about. I've been with you, mate, and uh, yeah, I'm certainly in there. Uh, and I can I can imagine what what your experience has been. But what I want to know is, and the reason why I said if there is any unfairness in life, this might be a little bit unfair because I want to know how transferable you think those skills are that you've got now into City Street. And maybe share your challenges with that to guys who want to get out of the military because they're they're gonna they're probably gonna have the same limiting beliefs, nightmares, challenges. Maybe maybe setting off for the fall when actually you don't need to. So where are you on that one? So transferable skills. Military service members learn a lot um, from the initial part where really. The, the person is is broken down and restructured in a certain way to, to think a certain way and uh, be able to succeed and in, 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 in the military environment uh, while having learned all these new skills. Yeah, that in itself, when you get if any person that can get through that has already built up resilience, coachability, the ability to perform under pressure. These are these are all maybe soft skills, but they're highly transferable anywhere. You progress on, and I'm going to use a couple of points off of the the soft skills of naval aviation that have carried me a, a lot of the way. Yeah. So decision making, the ability to just make a de- make a decision. Some people have to go back. They go back and forth. They don't have that training. They don't know that that they should basically put up in their mind a couple of different decisions, weigh them really quickly, balance it out, and then pick the one that has the best outcome in in seconds, right? Mm-hmm. So military service members can do that because time matters. Seconds matter. So you have to either have the experience built up through your training or the the ability that to just from from knowing the instructions, you know, like the back of your hand, to just yeah. be able to click, make that decision. And I think that carries over very well into the civilian sector, you know, basically be- because a lot of times that's the the waste of time and effort is coming, is de- is making a decision. Someone finally coming up and saying, we're going to go this way and do it. Even if it is the wrong way, you've already, you've made that decision and you can quickly backtrack and go to the next one ex- instead of spinning your wheels, not even coming up with that second option. So, that's one assertiveness. That's a big one. 
yeah mil- military service members you put them out on 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 uh the uh on the pitch and okay let's pick some teams and and go build that tent they will step up and start you know organizing and delegating and yeah. making the process efficient and getting from a to b in completion really quickly just because why stand around talking about it let's just do it adaptability that's a big one i mean how many times have we had to operate in rain cold hot extremes uh different people different accents different languages different machines and oh i don't know how to operate this generator okay there's the checklist there's the book five minutes later you know how to operate it because you've adapted to that to that new environment flexibility oh the generator just shut down well we need to find another way to get that electricity let's search and, and do it we know flexibility let's, let's figure out this get the solution going so a lot of uh snap this uh solutions can be determined really quickly um through the just the culture just the, the person that the type of people that, that that we are communication that's another big one yeah how many times especially in aviation must you be able to send a mes- send a message quickly succinctly have it received receive the feedback yourself you know comprehend it and then take that action or reply mm-hmm. and this happens again in seconds and it's clear and it's concise and it's direct and it has the assertiveness in it and it's filled with all the elements that are necessary it's it's a great one mm-hmm. um situational awareness situational awareness if you had five people walking down the street and one of them was a veteran by the time you get to the next block that veteran i'm pretty sure will know how many cars were parked incorrectly along the side who was looking at them you know how many you just take it all in and we're aware and we so we can see ahead and understand what's coming uh around that next corner just situation awareness it's it's knowing without knowing right yeah 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 so those are just a, those are just a few well i'll tell you what they were absolutely fabulous thank you so much and you obviously gave a lot of thoughts to that because something as you were talking always come back to me iao improvise adapt and overcome there's no problem greater than the solution and build a bridge and get over it <laughs> right that's right i mean that's just everything in the engineers right that that screw needs to go in. Well, we haven't got a screwdriver yet. So what? Find a way. That's right. Find a way to do it. And I mean, I'm using the screw analogy, but I mean, it could be anything. Yeah. So that that was absolutely phenomenal. Thank you so much. And and you know what? I think that someone listening to this is going to get a little bit more than twenty percent. And if one per if one percent does does something about it. Well, I tell you what, if 1% doesn't do anything about it, well, then they need to go to a different class. <laughs> because that was everything like decision-making, assertiveness, adaptability, flexibility, communication, and situation awareness. Because I know when I first got out of the military, right, I would never go in anywhere without sitting with my back against the wall so I could see everything. I'm a bit more relaxed now, um, where I still know what's going on. I'm still totally in the zone. So I know what's going on. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. So 
Here's the Columbo question, if you like. The old, just one more thing. What is the one thing or top tip you would give to a veteran or someone who's thinking of leaving the military that you think will help them achieve success? And again, I get it. There's no golden nugget. But just one one thing or one top tip would you give? Joe, you know I can't give just one. Okay, yeah. Well, give, give, give a few then, yeah. Well, uh, if if I had to settle on just one, I would always go back to take take some time for introspection and determine what it is you want to do. Have that vision because that unlocks the key to all of the subsequent planning. It's just exactly like when I decided I wanted to go into the military. I had that vision and it unlocked all the steps I needed to take to make that a reality. Without without that, you 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 really are just kind of shooting blindly. You're you're it's there's a lot of guesswork. There are more variables to adapt to. Uh, there's there's just no set path. And then we have a term, you know, wishy washy. You're just going where the wind takes you, uh, vice plotting your own course and, and heading off. Everything everything else kind of falls from there, because the, the other things that that fall into my mind are some of the um, We'll, we'll call them those those uh, unsolicited checklist items that actually are pretty good. Yeah. One, the first one actually is determine what you want to do. Then uh, another one for us is pay off your debt before you leave the military, but so you don't carry that with you. You know, look into life insurance, look into credentials. But again, you can't do that without knowing where you want to go. You know, I, I if if I were to go and get a credential uh, like um, some kind of ethical hacker or uh, coder, something like that, but I want to be a florist, then those credentials don't mean anything for me. And I've wasted that time. I have to know what are, where I want to go before I can determine how to build myself up or package what I what I have already to go forward into that direction. Got you. Listen, it's uh, Charles. It's been an absolute pleasure speaking with you, and, and I know we're going to keep in touch. So, thank you so much for your time today. So valuable. You're welcome, and thank you for the opportunity. Thank you.